what what creates music is not the actual notes itself that's a part of it but it's actually the space in between each note that creates that song that makes it true so then i ask people like what space are they creating in their own life to understand themselves on a deeper level and having some structure and framework of when they do have that space of basically their thinking time that they know what things to expand upon the life in motion podcast is brought to you by actual outdoors they help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at actualoutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 151 of Life in Motion. I've got Dakota Lawnhair with me who's not only on a journey to become the best version of himself, but is also on the journey to help others become the best version of themselves. I'm excited to learn how he's inspiring others through projects such as Masters of Fate. Uh, Dakota, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeremy. I've uh, heard some great things about you, so excited to jump on and uh, jam out and dive in with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Colton, who was on a couple episodes again uh, ago, uh, mentioning your name and checking you out, it seems like... Um, some some definitely good stuff some some good perspective as far as sort of you know as i mentioned before kind of how to how to bring your best version um in kind of some different ways um but before we get into that let's start with kind of your origin story you know uh, who you're from where where are you from um kind of hobbies you had growing up sort of what like led you down this this path yeah i i think so i'm originally from colorado right that's how uh if anybody's listened to the episode with Colton Corpenning, but he's an absolutely amazing human. We grew up snowboarding and skating together. So uh -huh. of course, growing up in Colorado, you're going to be uh, very outdoorsy. Um, so I actually grew up in a place called Black Forest, Colorado. It's in just outside of Colorado Springs. And when I was growing up, we actually had a BMX track in our front yard. And then in our backyard, we had a dirt bike track. So all day long, me and my brother were either BMXing or dirt biking. And then uh, we actually ended up getting a full size half pipe in our backyard, which was just absolutely insane. Uh, there's this church uh, that had a professional skater come and they actually had this professional skater build a half pipe for the youth group. And then the church ended up moving years later and was like, hey, anybody who could take this half pipe apart and take it away from us. <laughs> Uh, do it. So then we rounded up all of our friends and it was like our, our summer project. And then we rented a half ton truck. This is when we were like 14 years old too. So it was just like, just executing for a dream was just like, just built into me. And then like trying to like have fun and fulfillment along the way. So we ended up moving this full size half bike to my backyard. And then ever since then, it was just this evolution of just like, man, I love things that make me feel alive. And what makes me feel most alive is snowboarding, skating, BMXing, surfing, like these, these outdoor action sports just like awaken me. So throughout that kind of journey in Colorado, I ended up pivoting um, through health and fitness, and then became a personal trainer at Lifetime Fitness or Lifetime Athletics. And that was just kind of my introduction to like, if you want to be hard charging, you also have to take care of your body at the same time. And so many times I see these guys who are into these action sports and they're just not treating their bodies correctly outside of that sport. So then I got really deep into biomechanics and understanding the body and how it moves to make sure that I'm preventing myself from injury. So went went down that path for a while. And then I actually ended up getting burnt out because I love health and fitness. But then I also that was my job at the same time, too. So being a personal trainer, I was having to motivate everyone else 
And Uh it was hard to motivate myself because I was spending 50 to 60 hours a week in a gym. And I was just like, man, I just don't even want to be here anymore. (laughs) So I ended up leaving that space. And that's when I was like, you know, uh, I look at life whenever we're feeling stagnant or stuck or we're waiting for the next evolution or pivot in transition in life. I feel like it's shaking up your snow globe. So like your snow globe, like think about like a snow globe. It's all the snow is set and and it creates a certain environment. And when we shake that up, the snow will never fall in the same place. So I was like, man, I just need to shake my snow globe up. So I ended up leaving Colorado and going to Southern California. And I was just like, just I threw my clothes in the back of my car, had a couple hundred bucks to my name. And I was like, I'm just out of here. And people are like, well, what are you going to do there? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to figure it <laughs> out. Um, but I'm going to just like listen to listen to myself and also be strategic with my career path. So I ended up joining a company called uh, CarMax, and that was just like a, an auto superstore. I'm sure everyone has heard of CarMax before. They do about $20 billion annually. But when I came into CarMax, I went into their sales division, and it was refreshing because I was away from personal training, but I dove back into health and fitness. So then I was really minding my own health and fitness while I was crushing it in the company. And then through that, working with CarMax, I ended up reaching the highest level of sales and then ended up running their sales department of 80 sales consultants for about half a decade. And uh, they flew me around the US and took me to all these different trainings and learnings. And I really understood how to drive people through behavioral changes. And so many times we look at corporations and we think about like key performance measurements, key performance index, and like, okay, how do we increase KPIs, KPMs? But it's like, really, how do you develop an associate to change the behaviors that are conducive for not only themselves, but to the company. And through learning that through the half decade, I was able to take all of those learnings and then apply it into different areas of business, which I'm now running uh, multiple companies. That's well, well, one, it sounds like uh, we had a a very um, similar ish, uh, except I was on in Virginia when when I grew up. But as far as obviously BMX bikes and stuff like we were talking uh, growing up and I, I love that you're like, Oh, dibs on the half bite. Let me go grab that. Um, Hey, Hey mom, dad, can I, can I throw this in the yard? Uh, <laughs> so, so that's awesome. But, um, yeah, my dad was a construction worker, so we used oh, his company better. to get a, a half ton truck. So we're like, dad, can we, yeah, he, he ended up renting it from his company. It was great. Okay. So, well, I, okay. So you're very, very resourceful in that way too. And it's cool that, you know, you had the support of uh, parents to, to help with that. Um, so, so that's awesome. And, and then kind of that, that, that transition, which, um, you know, into the health and and fitness, you know, you bring up a good point, you know, a lot of, uh, athletes that, you know, do kind of the extreme sports, uh, they don't really think about the longevity of it. And that's when, you know, you see these 50 year old BMX riders and skateboards, like, how are they still doing that? Um, but having that, that transition. And then of course, um, kind of getting that burnout state because you are, you, you were already, you were always working in the thing that you loved. Um, so shaking up the snow globe, like I really loved that analogy. I don't think I've ever heard that one before. Um, but what, what, like when, when you decided like, Hey, I needed, I need a change to do that. You know, I got a couple hundred bucks, throw everything in my car. Like, was there like, like a fear, I guess associated with that? Cause some people, you know, they can't switch the, or flip that switch just to kind of make that move. Uh, sort of as I did from Virginia to Missouri when I when I met my wife. 
so I guess what was it about it? I guess in that initial step, you're like, okay, I can do it. And I'm just going to throw myself into a place that I really don't know anybody. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, I think it's important to note that like in life, we're always going to be dealing with fear like that. That's just kind of part of it. So for me, it was not like I, I I'm in by no means am I not fearful. I, I fear a lot of things, but I lean into it and I just built a different relationship with it understanding that fear is always going to be present in my life has allowed me to build a relationship. When it comes up, I don't run away. I lean into it. So usually when you're in certain circumstances or environments that are like painful because you're not growing or it's just this repetition that you're just like so sick of this monotonous life and just like replaying the same day over and over again, there's a, there's a pain threshold that starts to happen. And as your pain starts to increase, then the, the level of fear, once the pain over supersedes your level of fear, you're like, I just need to make a change. You see this a lot in the health and fitness space too. And it's just like, you get so sick and tired of like, no, I'm not going to live this life anymore. And because I wasn't getting the things that filled me up with love and joy, I was able to overcome that fear and then just say yes to the unknown. And like, man, there's going to be there's so many different paths in life and people keep trying to optimize to find the right way, but there is no right way. There's just ways. And it's up to us in the moment to find out what those ways are and then just lean into them and to know that it is going to be scary and change is always very messy in the beginning and it's uncertain in the middle. And then it usually ends up being beautiful in the end. So it's like, can you stay true to that journey And I'll tell you what, what a beautiful mirror it is when you change your environment, when you shake up your snow globe to learn a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I, and I love that, um, the kind of explanation there. Um, and obviously it it worked out, uh, well for you going out there and then, uh, you know, doing the CarMax and then that sort of, you know, that progression as well from, you know, uh, the sales and then into kind of the, the, um, and helping with the, the employee stuff and kind of, um, kind of maximizing what they're doing. Um, in a good way. So I, I guess, so from that point, um, you know, as you're starting to kind of get into that side of things, it seems like, um, your mindset has always been kind of focused around that. But as, as far as like switching to that kind of, what, what was the, the next step in the, in the journey? Uh, the next step in regards to, yeah. So after, uh, after kind of the CarMax, um, th- you know, when you're doing that and then you're starting to helping kind of with the corporate stuff, um, and as you mentioned, that's obviously, you know, kind of the, the step to, to what you're doing now. So, how, how did that kind of, how did things progress after that? Yeah. So I think what, what happened with CarMax is, you know, after a certain period of time, you actually learn a lot of the tangible skill sets that you need to learn. Um, and once you learn and acquire the skill sets, then you have a couple different choices. You either stay in the same position and go through the, that repetitive life again, or you then go to the next level and then you gain new skill sets. So the next level is to become a general manager run my own location. And there was a clear path to get there. And then I, what I did was I, I future paced and I look at people that are in two positions ahead of me. So I said, man, Dakota, if I just stuck with this for the next five to 10 years, I'm sure I'll be a a regional uh, director of this company and I'd have my own region. So what I did is I talked to those regionals and I would see basically what they do uh, in their day-to-day life, um, how fulfilled they are, their level of joy and happiness. And then through having these conversations, I, I get to ask myself, do I want that life? And do I want the journey to get there? 
And when I was talking to these people, I identified, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually don't want to have that path anymore, which was really scary because I had sunk so much of my, you know, investment into this business. But I was just like, man, but I learned all these skills. Like that was the trade. And now that I had these skills, I could go deploy them elsewhere. And that's when I left the company and I actually took a left turn uh, again. I needed to shake up my snow globe again because I've been doing that for quite some time. So I was like, I want to sell everything that I own and I'm going to buy a backpack and I'm just going to go to South America. Right. We, we, a lot of us have those crazy travel stories <laughs> and I bought a one way ticket to Peru and I was gone for four months straight, just alone, just exploring. And I wasn't trying to find out who I was. I was trying to find out who I wasn't. So I was just experiencing things in different countries. And I went to travel five different countries. And I was just like, man, as I meet new people, community, have these new experiences, I just kept asking myself, is this experience giving me more energy or less energy? And if it gave me more energy, I would double click on why that was true. Was it the people? Was it the environment? Was it the activity? And then through that, I got to learn a lot about myself. And then after that stint of travel, I came back and I felt refreshed and recharged and ready to kind of make my own mark. Because when you're in a large Fortune 500 company, you are simply a gear uh, in this large machine. So I was employee 193023, right? And I was set to do <laughs> these exact tasks in this exact way. And that's great. And I learned a lot from that. But now it's just like, man, I want to make some some of my own noise. So then I ended up becoming a general manager at a uh, gym facility. It's called Hardcore Fitness. It's a boutique strength training studio. And two weeks um, of me into employment, becoming the GM of that company, we hit COVID. And no. what the worst time for gym owners, you know, to be a part of. And I ended up running this business and this gym through COVID and then ended up helping run a second location um, as a multi-location general manager during the heart of COVID. And I learned about how to be immensely resourceful, but I took all the tools that I learned in my toolbox from CarMax, from Lifetime Fitness, being a personal trainer, and I pulled them all together to be like, can I still execute at a high level, even though my external environment has everything going against me, so much adversity and challenges that I had to face. And we ended up doing really well. And then that just sparked like, man, I, I am worth it and I do have the ability and then I branched off to then start my own businesses after that. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's uh, definitely something to be <laughs> be thrown into. Um, <clears throat> so before we go into kind of, you know, how, how you went from from there uh, kind of and then kind of launching your own company out there, do you have a, a favorite story out of your out of your four month uh, travel that you want to share? Oh, God, there's there's so many. <laughs> um, I will. So, yeah, I went to. Uh, PSAC, the Sacred Valley in Peru. And, you know, I spent some time with uh, a shaman and, you know, we did some medicinal practices, of course. And really, I was just trying to shed shed my layer of all this, like, basically shit that I've put on all these layers of protection, of fear, of judgment, of guilt. And I was just trying to rip myself apart and just like, who am I at my energy, like my true energy and essence? Like, who am I? And like, how do I get to that? And my answer was through complete annihilation. So I met this shaman and I had a, you know, a ceremony for that weekend and I just got completely destroyed and everything that I held as a belief was now to be questioned. And that's a really scary place for a lot of people to be in. But again, yeah. too, it's just not overcoming the fear, but just gaining that relationship with it. 
Um, and I won't do it, dive too deep into that story because that's that's a whole nother two hour podcast. But the the things that I learned was that if we truly want to know ourselves on the deepest level, we have to be willing to give everything away. And through giving things away, even like being willing to give my life away for that moment and surrender to death, I was able to open up a whole new world inside of me. And I had this deep calmness. And I took that with me to Colombia, and I ended up doing a Samatha Vipassana retreat, which is a seven-day silent retreat. So for 168 hours, I was in pure silence, um, no exercise, no reading, no writing. Uh, you're simply just sitting there. You, you meditate for about uh, 16 to 18 hours per day. Um, and you just, and every once in a while, you could do a slow walking meditation, which basically think of yourself moving like a snail. Uh, and that's about <laughs> as fast as you can move. And throughout that experience, uh, I noticed myself on such a deep level because I couldn't escape myself. Man, so many times when we're like caught up in it, we just go to our phone, to Instagram, we go to exercise, we go to these things that just get us outside of ourselves. And in the silent retreat, I was stuck. And I was like, oh man, there's nowhere to hide now. And I, and I use this analogy of like, if you want to get to know somebody, what do you do? You talk to them, right? That's what we're doing yeah. right now. We're talking to each other, we're getting to know each other. If you really want to get to know somebody, what do you do? You go travel with them, right? And then you get to see all the things that come up when they when they travel. Now, if you really, really want to get to know somebody, what do you do? You lock them in a room for seven days straight and you don't let them leave. And that was me with my own subconscious mind. So I was like, I locked myself in a room with my subconscious mind. And the way that the analogy that I use is like, let's say that you're in a really noisy, loud bar. And there's a there's a song playing in the background, but there's so many voices and so much chatter going on. And you're having a conversation with somebody across the way. And then now let's just say in the snap of a finger, everyone stops talking and then you hear the song and you're like, oh, man, has that song been playing this entire time? And it has been. You just didn't realize it. And that song for me was my subconscious mind. It was this undercurrent that was le that leading my life into these habitual patterns. And through calming all those voices down that are inside of our head and just being still, I was able to hear the song in the background, which is that 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 subconscious thing that I was talking about. And I was like, oh, my God, has this been playing the entire time? <laughs> and I got to learn about myself on such a deep level. And uh, it wasn't like, oh, I had so much fun while I was there. It's, it was miserable. But <laughs> I left there with a different relationship to self, which I think that's kind of this journey that I've been on is like testing my mind, body and spirit through these different modalities. So I can reduce the suffering of myself. And then in hopes that I can help reduce the suffering of others. Yeah. Well, first of all, I got to say you're, you're, you're uh, killing it with analogies today, at least ones that I haven't heard. Um, <laughs> so, but no, that's, that's super interesting. Uh, kind of your, your, your experiences kind of um, in, in both places and kind of two very different um, experiences, it sounds like. Um, and then to be able to take that back home with you, in addition to what you learned prior to the travels um, to kind of, you know, lead or guide your way into sort of starting, starting the own company that, that you mentioned. Yeah. So, so then after I left there, that's actually when I became the general manager, it was after that at the fitness facility. Cause I was mm -hmm. just like, I just need a forward thinking thought. So 
I'm really strategic. So I had two options ahead of me. I was going to either work for somebody for free, um, like a mentor that I can, you know, learn and grow from. And I just say, Hey, I'll work from you free of charge for half a year. And I'm just going to, you know, make some, some impact in your business. And I get to learn from you. Uh, that person for me was Tom Bilyeu with impact theory. He was at the top of my list. So I was just like, I had built up this whole plan together, like how to scheme to basically work myself into impact theory. So I could work for Tom for free because I like the way that he analyzes and processes information, uh, and his viewpoints on life. They're, he's very pragmatic and logical and he takes this like no BS approach to life, which I actually enjoyed. And also I hedge my bets. So I was like, at the same time that I'm doing that, uh, the next transition for me, as far as my career path in my professional world was to become a general manager. So I said, whatever, whichever one of those is true and happens first, I'm going to take. And then a GM position opened up. I took that opportunity. Then of course, went through the COVID stuff and then I left that business and ended up starting a sugar-free protein donut company that was ran by software that we created. So we have three different apps on the app store. Uh, we have three software portals that went on to run this entire donut company. And really the donut company itself was just to prove the software to be true. So we could resell it to other consumer-based good companies. But through making the donuts, I also learned a lot. And I was just like, man, why can't people have guilt-free, sugary, like guilt-free, sugar-free treats <laughs> that are alternatives, their favorite sugary treats like a donut. So that's when tasty treats uh, happen to, you know, become alive in, in me. And uh, that went on for just over a year. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. Um, and that's funny because that uh, sparked a memory that I had in college of uh, my roommates, him and I's idea. It was, uh, I'm trying to remember what we were to call it. It was probably something stupid like bro-yo or something, but it was basically like fro-yo. It's up to have like protein and stuff in it so you'd have it after um the gym uh anyways that was a side thought to the sweet nice. sweet treat i love it dude <laughs> but um yeah the, the tasty treats for sure <laughs> but um no that's interesting and, and especially in kind of being able to to test the the theory of of kind of the the software and the app for that um so so once kind of that was proven kind of what what did it lead to yeah then we, we ended up selling that software out and the deal with selling that software was that we weren't going to sell the tasty treats anymore because we we're actually working with one of the competitors to sell the software to so that kind of closed that chapter out and then it like allowed me room again in my life to be like, okay, like, what do I want to do? And, uh, you know, I, I kind of dove into a little bit of uh, real estate um, and real estate in working with uh, joint ventures with investors in certain key target areas to get them off market deals and then run that partnership with them and, and split commissions through sourcing off market deals. And like, that was great. And, you know, it's, it's very business forward. But at the same time, one of my good friends, uh, Andrew Cruzy, he was talking to me about this company that he wanted to build. And he had just gone through immense burnout in his company. Uh, he ended up selling it. He had a good amount of money that he was sitting on. And he kind of just like lost like the sense of like what makes him happy. And he's like, oh, my God, like he had to start from scratch. And he went to an ashram and had these experiences. And then he came back from that. And he's like, hey, I want to build this business called Mashes of Fate, where it's a community of men that are that we're leading them to understand what their core beliefs are what the core vision is and having them understand how to harness their energy their mindset how to build relationships and create wealth in their life but he's like but i don't want to tell them what they should be thinking i want to provide structure and framework that they can self-discover these things so he sold me on this vision and it was just like 
man, we had been through so many different experiences that have helped us evolve. And we've had, you know, a lot of framework that is like, put a method to the madness, if you will, of like finding out like, what things move you. I think it's really tough to find out what somebody's purpose is, but we could find out things that move you and we could double click on those and expand upon them. But for me, he kept selling me on the vision and I finally said yes to it. And I was like, I'll give you a couple hours a week. And then a month later, it was a couple more hours. Then three months <laughs> later, I was working full time, uh, helping him grow that business uh, from, you know, just a Google document. And now fast forward to today, we have over 100 plus people in the program of these men that are speaking to each other every single day about what they value, what they believe, what their internal and external drivers are and also how to crush it in business and how to run strategy through that and how to develop tech stacks. And like, it's just really cool because it's wholesome. And sometimes I see masterminds and it's like all about the Lamborghinis and the flash. And then I see other masterminds. That's all about the spiritual world that like you can get stuck into this, like this deep sense of spirituality where you're not, you're completely exited the matrix. And I was like, how can we hold these two views in the same hand? And we've been able to do that at a high level now. And it's just very heart centered and um, like it, it's very passion driven. Um, and we have multiple events every single year and just getting those guys together um, and the brotherhood is what we call it. The masters of fate brotherhood, getting those people together and like understanding like the challenges that they're experiencing in life. Like it's it's so much more than just like making money. It's like, man, you know, Jeremy, you have three kids at home three boys at home that are, you know, under, you know, a young age. And I'm sure you have your own set of challenges, not just with raising kids, but also with your marriage as well. And it's just like, we need tools. We need a group that we can talk about these things. And then while we talk about these things, there's also calls every week too, that we can dive into your business. We could find out levers that we can pull to increase your income or to expand your network. So that that's just a really cool thing that we've been doing. Uh, and then, uh, that takes probably about 10% of my bandwidth and the other 80 to 90% that I'm working on uh, is going to be in this company called Speed to Lead, which is a lead automation company for gyms. Yeah, no, that's all. And so, um, you know, going back to uh, Masters of Fate there, you know, kind of um, both both you and your, your friends um, kind of separate experiences. Um, it sounds like made a lot of sense to do that. And, you know, it's, it seems to me like the challenge of it, um, it, one kind of figuring out what that, that framework would be, since like you said, everybody's, um, different and, and, um, uh, you know, takes in things in different ways, but especially so, so so mixing up the spiritual and the business, it seems like getting people, um, and, and, you know, men more interested in the business side of things seems like that'd be a little less challenging than, the opposite and also uh, important spectrum of that, which is what, what you just said, you know, being able to, uh, I guess, share kind of your your emotions in a sense. Um, you know, I know, uh, at least speaking from myself, you know, you're not always uh, as open to doing that and kind of getting into that mindset. So what is what has that kind of been like if, as far as kind of that opening up end of things from like an emotional kind of spiritual standpoint? Yeah, I, I think I think it all comes back to like the the foundation of like, man, we're all humans, right? And we all experience pain and we all experience hardship. And just like getting like fucking real with people being like, you don't have to hold it all inside. And through mastering yourself internally, 
you can master so many different other areas of your life, but it starts inside and allowing these entrepreneurs, because we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and really high level people to break down those barriers by just being really genuine and real, but also including what's in it for them. I'm like, man, as you guys begin to master yourself, it's a lot of stuff that like Tony Robbins, you know, speaks about. It's like your business is going to go leaps and bounds, but you're going to have less nights that you feel like shit or you're depressed or you're burnt out. Like we're all about sustainability. So like there's like a health span and a lifespan of a company. Let's say that a company lasts 20 years. That's a big lifespan, right? But the yeah. health span of the company, what was the culture like? Did you were you excited for showing up every single day? And I look at this in, in longevity with with the you know the human body in the same way, like health span, lifespan. Like if I'm 70 and 80 years old, but I can't do the things that I love, if I can't go snowboarding or surfing, then that's not gonna be a life that I deem meaningful. So that trajectory of finding out those two those two arcs of health span and lifespan, we put a big emphasis on that. And starting with the foundation of like, first, you have to learn how to optimize your energy. Like there's going to be so many things that suck your energy dry and you're going to feel lost, tired, confused, and you're just going to be forcing everything rather than coming from a place of power. So it's like understanding how to harness your own internal energy and then finding out the things, those undercurrents that I talked about that are controlling your life subconsciously that you don't even know about. And it comes back down to what you value and what you believe in. So everyone has character values, they have lifestyle values, they have operational values. And if I asked you, Jeremy, I'll be like, hey, what are your five lifestyle values? Hey, what are your five operational values? And, and, and it's hard to answer those on the cuff, but everyone in matches of fate could answer those questions very quickly. Hey, what are your five internal beliefs? What are your five external beliefs? What are your five life beliefs? And as we go to answer those things and do this deep work, we have such a deep sense of self that we are able to not be so thrown off of our path because we're going to get hit in the face, unfortunately, again and again and again. But it's all about the response to that and coming back to what you value and believe. Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense. Uh, and like you said, off the cuff, that is kind of hard. <laughs> um, so so yeah, like with sure. that. <laughs> so is that so is, is that mainly done at these different um, e, uh, events and stuff like that, where it's kind of different, like a like a week long type of workshop or like what is what does that look like? Yeah. So, well, first of all, it, it change takes time. Right. So uh, this yeah. is a year long program. So they're in this okay. program for a year. Uh, there's three to four in-person events, but we have three calls every single week. So, and we also pair it with a software system called Airtable, where we house all the information they need to then update their life operating system. So each one of these uh, brothers has their own software Airtable, which then houses basically what's called their life operating system, which so their Airtable will have their values in it, their beliefs, and it, it gives it structure in the software platform that they can actually fill it out. And if somebody just pulls up their Airtable, they could quickly show you who they are. And it's really cool when we get into the in-person events where people pull up their software platforms and then we get to learn about others through that. But not only that, we have so much data that we get from these brothers uh, to understand like where we can add more value to them. But it's pairing software with also, you know, this like intangible thing of like what our vision and purpose is that it's hard to quantify or to explain, but then having a place for it to live. And then this is your playbook for your life. And we take them through these calls we have on uh, every Tuesday, we have a self mastery call, 
where we get to master ourselves on, you know, different components in life. On Wednesday, we have a business mastery call. So it's all about business and execution. And we have some of the, the best leaders in their industry come in and, and share their insights in the business mastery calls. And then on Thursdays, we have the connection relationship mastery call where we talk about relationships, where we dive in with each other and build connection with one another. So those three calls, in addition to their software platform and the, the training course with the in-person events, that's all encompassing to then help these people give them a sense of direction. Yeah, and it's it's interesting how kind of uh, the, those the topics of each three of those calls kind of you know all work work together in that sense. Um, is there, I, I guess, uh, you know, obviously without kind of giving any, um, uh, personal details or anything like that, but any, like, just like s- surprising stories, I guess that, that have come out of that. Yeah. I think I, I wouldn't say surprising, but I would say a very, well, yeah. uh, you know, like a, a lot of fulfillment, like, because we've seen people change their energy and mindset that completely transforms their entire life. We have people come to us that are so depressed that it's hard for them to even wake up. And these are successful people, which is like tough because it's like, sure, some people, they're not all entrepreneurs and they're not all, you know, doing millions of dollars, but some of them are. And they come to us and they're so afraid to say it to anyone else, but they're like, I'm depressed and I can't even wake up and I have a newborn and a wife and I don't know what to do. And it's like, okay, we're not going to tell you what to do, but we're going to give you a community and a support system, but we're going to give you a structure in which to view a lens through life. And then through that, then you can start to build upon yourself and it starts with one brick. So there's been so many transformational stories, so many testimonials of people that have just gotten out of their own way because that's the hardest piece. We just keep getting in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's true. And, um, it's it's good to hear that. I figured it'd be something along those lines, and kind of you know the first step is you know uh, obviously recognizing that, but then and then kind of pulling that all together with with the program. So um, so obviously you know you you, you have the the passion with um, with with helping others, and then also kind of using uh, technology to do that uh, as well. And I think you sort of did that. Um, with your with your other company that you mentioned as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly it. Because like, whether we like it or not, we are going to keep being pushed into a technological world. Like it's it's just happening. And especially with AI, man, like, man, I'd love to have a podcast just speaking about AI. There's so many crazy things that are coming from that. And people are like, you know, how do you feel about it? And it's like, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. It's here, it's, it's coming, and it's only going <laughs> to keep evolving. So it's adoption. And again, too, it comes back down to the fear. Like we're so fearful of these new things because it's shifting the way that we view life. Um, so for me, I think about technology of like this, this technology allows us to impact people through scale, right? So for yeah. me with uh, Speed to Lead, this was a, a lead automation company. And I'll kind of give you the, the reason why I started in the vision behind Speed to Lead. But when I was a personal trainer, I can impact one-to-one and change their life through health and fitness. And then I started doing small group training and I'd have one-on-one clients. So I, I, all in total, I was probably impacting every, every month, probably about 20 to 25 people every single month was my like core member base. Right. And it was very intimate and it was amazing. And, you know, I was, I was young and I was ready to, you know, provide value. And then I was like, man, I want more scale than this. So when I went to become a general manager at a fitness facility, we had about 500 plus members. 
So now I was directly impacting through enrolling people into their own vision and their own fitness journey. I was able to impact the lives of over 500 people, which is great. And then I became a multi-location general manager, helped oversee these two businesses. And then I was impacting the life of almost a thousand people. And I was like, that's great. But I keep thinking about scale to me because it's so important. And my vision was, I was like, how can I impact the lives of over a quarter million people? So I thought of like, man, I could create a software system that could capture, nurture, and deliver leads to gym's front doors through tech-enabled automation. It could take a lot of work off the gym staff because they're already overworked. It could take a lot of work off the gym owner who is stressed and underpaid. And we could use this technology to drive more people through the front door and then impact their life. So now we look at things as far as metrics. So if I book a million people through my software platform, that's our vision, a million people booked, then about 60% of those people are actually going to show up through the front door of a gym, about a 60% show rate. So 600,000 people, I'm going to drive through the front door of a gym. Now, out of those 600,000 people, at minimum, 50% are going to be signing up for a long-term commitment. So that's going to be anywhere from 250 to 300,000 lives I affect through tech-enabled automation through a software system I built. And it's going to affect them in the most beautiful way, which is health and fitness, which I think is the greatest gift that you can ever give somebody because it's such a challenge and the rent is due every day. It's not something <laughs> that you win at. It's just, it's this consistent thing and it takes support, community, guidance, knowledge, um, and just the understanding a human being and their psychology. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's interesting. You know, like you said, not, not obviously running away from technology, but, you know, having, you know, having the idea of, of the business, you know, obviously to make a business, but kind of the, that greater mission of it is to use that to impact more and more people. Um, which is, which is awesome. Um, like you said, you know, using, using technology and whatnot for scale. Yeah, so absolutely. And I, and I, and I use that for uh, like my Northern Compass question. So like usually when I meet with people, I ask them this Northern Compass question, which I had, you know, came up with years ago. That was just like anytime that we lose our sense of direction in life, we need to come back to our compass, our internal compass. And the three questions that I asked and it's rhetorical is what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like and it and it can't be my kids, my work, I have to go do this errand. It's like, no, what moves you to move? And then the second question is, what impact do you want to have on the world? And you get to define what your world is. You get to define the scale of it. It could be your family, it could be your community, or it could actually be the world at scale. But we need to know what impact that you want to have on that and what the scale is. And then the last question that ties it all together is, what does success mean to you? Because I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody what success is. It's so subjective to the individual. And when I understand somebody, what moves them to move, what impact they want to have on the world and the scale of that world and how they define success at the end of their life, I could truly connect with them and see if I can actually help them. And if they don't know those questions, I can help them understand those over a period of time. Yeah. And no, those are, those are, three, uh, very, very important, uh, questions that also, you know, kind of shape, shape the perspective of, of your day, day to day. And, and obviously, um, even longer in that sense. So, um, and it, and it sounds like, you know, what, what you're doing is, you know, uh, fulfilling that for you. And it's, and it's so awesome to kind of hear that kind of you expand in that way. So, or to help others in that way as well. So, 
One uh, one thing I always like to ask our guests is kind of one piece of advice. And I feel like uh, there's been lots of, of tidbits throughout this conversation. Um, but one thing that, you know, that kept coming up is um, kind of harnessing that energy and kind of listening to uh, the, the silence, what happens when the when the crowd noise shuts off and all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously, there's uh, it's a long process, as you mentioned before, but how how do you begin to identify those things kind of within yourself to to know that i guess and understand that more steps need to be taken in the right direction if that makes sense yeah i, I think it's it's a couple different things i think it's important to have stillness in our life it's very important to to pause and assess things so uh, you could do that through reflection. You could do that through journaling. You could do that by, you know, taking some time away in, you know, the cabins in isolation or doing these silent retreats. But the space, what what creates music is not the actual notes itself. That's a part of it. But it's actually the space in between each note that creates that song that makes it true. So then I ask people, like, what space are they creating in their own life to understand themselves on a deeper level and having some structure and framework of when they do have that space of basically their thinking time that they know what things to expand upon because sometimes people just have space and then they go all right i'm doing it dakota i'm you know sitting by the tree and i don't know what the hell to do next (laughs) so it's like we still need to have structure and framework for them to think about like these deeper things and Man, there's so many mirrors, Jeremy, in our life. It's our relationships to our kids. It's our relationship to our significant other. It's our relationship to our friends. These are mirrors constantly reflecting back at you all this work that you could be doing. If we're just aware, it's just the self-awareness. So entrepreneurship, if people want to get a degree in self-development, please start a company and you'll you'll get a degree in self-development because it's so challenging and it will show you all the places that you, you know, like all your fear, like pain points, entrepreneurship will bring them to the light immediately. And you're going to be so afraid to be like, man, I'm not worth it. I'm not smart enough. Like this is a bad idea. And all this internal stuff that we stored is going to come up because we have nowhere to hide. Because in entrepreneurship, when you're the, the owner or CEO, it's all on you. So if this doesn't work out, it's because you didn't get it to work out. But making sure that you're not attaching your self-identity onto the business. The business is its own living thing. And the only thing that makes you a failure is if you actually stop trying. So as long as you stay in the arena, as long as you're just trying to continue to develop and be better, like amazing things will come. But there has to be the space that you take for yourself to actually ask yourself those deeper questions or else you're going to be making a bunch of noise. And if if you took all the space out of the music, it would just be a bunch of noise. And that's what I see in a lot of people's lives, including my own for a very long time. No, I think that's that's excellent advice. And definitely uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, with, you know, starting a Lumen and that kind of stuff myself, I can definitely uh, attest to uh, some of those statements you had. So I think that's excellent. So um, where where can people find you online um, to, to get involved, uh, to see what you're up to, uh, kind of all that good stuff? Yeah, um, right now. So just my first and last name, uh, D-A-C-O-D-A, Dakota, and then last name, Londhair. L-O-N-D-H-A-I-R. 
um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, whatever platform that you prefer. Uh, I, I am going to start putting out some more uh, content. I've actually not been big in the content world, um, which is you know great that you know people like you find me and we have a discussion because it allows me to share some of these thoughts with other people. Um, but going forward, I'm going to be putting out more things that that move me in hopes that it can move other people. Um, so any of those platforms would be perfect. Uh, feel free to shoot me a DM too. If you listen to this podcast, if you gained anything from it, or if you have any other questions that you want to expand upon. Awesome. Everyone will definitely uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, Sue's up to, um, I'm excited to kind of see what, what, what your content journey uh, looks like once you start putting more out. And like, as you mentioned, cause I thought this, this conversation was great and some definitely um, insightful things that, you know, makes one, one thing. So, um, but I appreciate you coming mm-hmm. on to share your story, uh, your kind of journey. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of see, see what's next. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on Jeremy. And I just want to kind of reflect back to you all, all the different things that I, that I see in your life. And, and when you were growing up, you know, BMXing and wanting that to be, you know, like something where you go pro and stuff like that. It takes discipline and consistency. And, you know, that that's why I love people who are into action sports, because if you get to a good high level, there's so much discipline, consistency and sacrifice to do those things. But then also through that, like this is 150, like one podcast or something like that. Again, that shows consistency. And here you are with three kids, three little boys, and you're still just chipping away building your business, staying up to date on these podcasts and like living your life. And like, I just want to reflect that back because I see that in you, man. Well, uh, that, you know, that's, that's much, much appreciated and uh, completely surprising that you said that, but I did not expect you to say that at least I should say. Um, so, so I, I appreciate that. Of course, man. Thanks for listening. And Hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion until next time.